0: My name is Aram Vartin. I'm the Dungeon Master for God's Fall, a custom 5th edition Dungeon and Dragons campaign in Washington, D.C. As I continue to introduce our characters one at a time, we'll meet Zion Priyatin a young acolyte from the highlands of Qadar. Zion was born to Atred and Amda Priyatin in the highlands of Kedar, the only child from his father's second marriage. He has three older brothers, Madaret, Talas, and Fosa, all from his father's first marriage with a woman who was taken by the four-day agony. Though Atred was always distant emotionally, Amda doted over her son, and while Zion was not as naturally physically gifted as his brothers, he worked hard to gain their respect. He has been largely unsuccessful with Matret and Talas, but Fosa and he managed to forge a true brotherly bond. Boza has taken to mentoring his younger brother and practices with him daily to bring his physical abilities up to par.
1: My name is Michael. I've played Dungeons and Dragons for many years, and as well as other role-playing games. I will be playing the role of Zion Preeton. He's a human sorcerer from Kedar.
0: Michael was the storyteller from the last role-playing game that Doug, Michael, and I were all involved in. The other two were not. It was a Vampire the Masquerade game. and It was excellent. So this will be the first time you've played in a yes. while, Well, right? I'm
1: very excited to play because uh, I like to see a whole world unfurl before me and not know exactly what's going to happen. All
0: right, so let's talk about where you're from. You are from Qadar. Yes. You are a young acolyte from Qadar, and you have been training in the ways of this anti religion.
1: anti saying there is no God. They know there is no God because all the gods are dead. They blame their God's war on the gods specifically because they caused it. And, um, you know, so they see magic as spring, springing from the gods as the yoke of the, the gods. You know, it's something that kept man down. So my father is uh, one of these anti and uh, there, there are several of them. And they're sort of like the a sort of anti-god church. (laughs) Do a lot of meditation and making sure that their bodies are are sound and their minds are strong. Their major tenet of their faith is to seek out those that use items from the gods or the yoke of gods, which is anything magical. The only thing that they're allowed to use that's magical pretty much is These rods, which have a magic gem on the end,
0: those gems are not magic. Those those stones, as far as I can tell, those stones simply are tuned to whatever energy is produced by magic, and those waves of energy cause the stones to light up. But on their own, they're not magical. Otherwise they wouldn't work. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> it's not illegal for a person to own them. Everyone knows about them and what they do. The po- the general populace realizes that those glow when they see magic, they've heard enough stories about them. So it's not like it's a secret. Right. You've been training in this association. I'm assuming your character's more of a book learner, more of an intellectual, yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've been trying, I'm sure, to, to, to shore up my body as best as I can. And yes. I, 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 I uh, practice with my brother and everything, but I yes. try as I can. Uh, I'm just not one of those big, you know, sp- Spartans. Right, but that's about. all
0: right because this is not a warrior society. Uh, right. This is a society that absolutely celebrates intellect as much as it does brawn, because intellect oh. is part of the, you know, perfection of the human condition. Yes. So there would so certainly I, I be. Yeah. So I steal my mind. Yeah.
1: So I've spent my time, you know, reading books and um, fascinated with tales of the past, uh, but but uh, also. Uh, I'm very much a product of my society. I'm 16, so pretty impressionable. And um, I want to be just like my brothers. Um, of course. But, uh, you know, they. Uh, what the two youngest child ones, doesn't, right? right? But the two eldest treat me like crap. Yep and uh, say mean things to me all the
0: time. Yes, now you and Fosa have a decent relationship and that has actually been growing more recently. Uh, once you decided that you were going to try and step into the same shoes that they have filled, you know, I think that he gained respect for you and therefore was like, all right, listen, what can I do to help? Okay. So that's what he's been doing and that's how we're gonna start.
1: That's their uh, day-to-day religion and my father's a big part of that and so anytime, one of his big jobs is to seek out people who use magical
0: items. I'd say he's a little higher up. Right. I'd say your brothers. My uh, brothers are training for that sort of thing. I would say your father, he is more of like in charge. Administration, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm from the Southern Shield. What's the Southern Shield like? Okay, so Southern Shield is a very large city. It is the old capital of Qadar before the breaking and before the new capital was established on King's Island. Canarian architecture, well, I mean, obviously they weren't Canarian always, but the history of architecture from these people is very similar to the history of the anti-religion that they've come up with. It's very stoic, okay? All the architecture is big, thick, heavy, clean lines. Not a lot of ornamentation. The walls are straight and serious. The towers are straight and serious. Everything kind of has that big, blocky... I would say it's, it's basically an entire culture gone brutalism. Okay. And that is heavily influenced by the dwarves of the north. Mm. Because they are the masters of this style. And they have culturally, militarily influenced this continent for a long time. So do my people and the dwarves get along? It's not perfect, right? I mean the dwarves are the dwarves of the north are the most technologically advanced dwarves left. They were the first ones to have magic. They were the first ones to make home. They were the first ones to harness. So there's a lot of influence from those dwarves upon Qadar just because of the you know the miraculous inventions of man, right? However, their lava forges are still magical things. And, they, and while they can't produce magic anymore, the equipment and stuff that they've had for centuries are not getting rid of. And so there's a little bit of tension between Qadar and them because, yes, they need them, and yes, they've been allies for a long time, and yes, every time they've gone to war, they've had each other's backs... But they're magic users, and they were the first ones to get magic as a gift from the gods. So some of the more hardline purists are kind of like, no, fuck them. And eventually, eventually, we got to burn them out of that mountain because they're just as bad as the gods.
1: All right. Well, way back down on the Southern Shield, it's, I guess, a port city, so we got lots of boats and things.
0: You do have lots of boats and things. It's not where the main navy is, but there is a strong contingent of the navy there. You will have training on boats to the point where you've at least been on one, because the the strongest military force out of this one is the navy. The second... Is the knights that they have? There's a lot sort of horses in this area. It's basically this huge, wide-open plain, so there's lots of them to train. I mean, you can ride horseback, like you've been on a horse, you've been on a boat, but you've mainly been training in studies and then some hand-to-hand combat with Fosa. Gotcha. It's not exactly your expertise. I think you have a staff, a bow staff. It's a sensible weapon. Yeah, I and mean, plus train I think in.
1: it's pretty cool. Like if like all the uh, you know religious knights or whatever were uh, or acolytes were training with. With staffs, yeah, know.
0: big, huge, basically long, two-handed wooden staffs, yep. right? Yes, exactly. I that's a, I just it just it seems fitting for your character yeah. for some reason. Obsidian black, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? Yes, because when you train with them, they're normal wood. So you train with a wooden bow staff. When you advance, when you graduate, you're given an ironwood bow staff. Quarter staff. That's what they call it. Quarter okay. staff. So you have a quarter. You have a quarter staff. So you are at minus one to hit with it, because you have a strength of 9 a weak little, little boy. Not, not weak. You're not weak. <laughs> You're just not as physically strong. That's I gotcha. You. you. have other gifts. So we quarter- can't all be, you know, the quarterback. No, you can't all be the quarterback, exactly. Except in Glee, where apparently no. everyone can be the oh, quarterback. God. Don't even get me started on Glee. <laughs> I know, it's so bad. For the one of you who listens to D&D live play podcast and Glee, I think <laughs> you can agree with us, it's shit.
1: Oh, goody, hate mail.
0: Hit <laughs> one dice six. Minus one because again, not quite so strong, and it does blunt damage. (laughs) You, as a sorcerer, have one hit die at first. Hold up, I better not be a sorcerer. she's a witch, burn him! You, as a soon to be sorcerer, (laughs) have one die, six. Hit dice. Now what that means is that at first level, you have the maximum hit points from it. So so you have six hit points plus your constitution bonus, which is one, so you have seven hit points. The second thing it, it does is that when you take a short rest, you can spend hit dice. You currently have one, so you can spend one. So you would roll one dice six and add one, and that's how many hit points you can recover during that short rest. Now you can only do that until you run out of hit dice. Because like, let's say you were third level, so you'd have three dice six. And let's, let, let's say you were just lightly wounded. Well, I'll just spend one of my hit dice, and then another short rest, you could spend two more. But then you need to make a real rest, basically sleep for the night, to gain those hit dice back. You are, no, are currently not wearing any armor, so your armor class is ten because you have no dex bonus. You have an initiative of plus two, which is just your proficiency bonus. Do you understand how that works as well, the proficiency bonus? No, I don't. Okay, that's something new as well. As your level goes up that bonus will get higher it's like plus 2 for the first few levels and it goes to plus 3 and plus 4 that proficiency bonus gets added to a lot of things so it gets added to your initiative so your initiative is your dex plus your proficiency but it also gets added to the things that you are proficient in like your skills you are skilled in arcana okay
1: what is arcana
0: arcana is the knowledge of magic okay? how could th- how could I Because there's plenty of books that talk about magic that still exists, and you'd want to be skilled in it Mm -hmm. as far as knowing about it. Right, because maybe maybe I'll become one of those acolytes that uh, graduates
1: and then seeks out magic. Absolutely. And needs to know what to look for. And so I studied really hard so that um, I could be a a good son and a a good
0: contributor to the society. Absolutely. You know a lot about magic for that exact reason. So
1: it kind of came natural to me. And even if I wasn't great or as good as my brothers at uh, bashing in heads or whatever, uh, I could study. Yes, absolutely. So I spent a lot of time studying.
0: You can't study the actual spells only because when magic died, every spell book, every scroll, every single written word of magic vanished Mm -hmm. from the paper it was written on. There's plenty of books that would talk about magic, talk about spell effects, talk about transportation, circles and theories and how it might relate to the gods. so mm-hmm. that's what you've read up on not a single spell but everything about those spells And it, uh, it also gets added to your saving throws and because you're a sorcerer even though you're not a sorcerer yet your, your uh, saving th- bonuses are constitution mm-hmm. and charisma those are the two that you are proficient at what is your alignment
1: mm.
0: yeah i didn't know i
1: didn't know if we had those
0: yes we do have alignments so i was wondering what yours might be
1: Now, that's a good question. Is this the sort of thing where characters can evolve a bit? Yes, absolutely. Because I would think that my character at first, Mm -hmm. Zion, like he wants to fit in, he feels a little out of place, but he would believe in everything that that everybody's told. Yes, he he, he would. So he would be order, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, this might change once he's directly on the outside of that order. I don't think he would be chaotic for chaotic's sake. For no, example. I couldn't see that. Um,
0: but I could. I, but if if you're saying I would start him out I'm lawful good and change, I could see that. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, and I could see how he could or be neutral good mm-hmm. uh, would be what he would gravitate towards. I think because I would so. absolutely say so. Um, yeah,
0: neutral good is your typical, you know, Spider Man. Like that is a perfect example of a neutral good character. He's conflicted at times between what he believes is right and what the world tells him is right, but he's generally a very good person. I would see him starting out as lawful as lawful good. I would absolutely sub- support that. Okay.
1: That's weird. I've never played a lawful good character before. I know, I know. And you won't be for long, but I like it. I like it a lot.
0: that Greg wants to make where everyone is a bunny mm-hmm. and you're all on a giant hill and there's plenty of things to eat and lots of things to play with and it's sunny and everyone is fun. <laughs> and that's Greg's role-play game. Bunnies. And I was like, is there, are there any enemies? No. <laughs> all right. We're all, They're well. candy eggs, though. All right. And so I'm like, all right, so like, just gotta turn. i was like, all right, so I'll be the DM. You're all bunnies. He went, yay. <laughs> 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 Nothing else to do after that point. So as the game opens upon Zion, you are in the backfields behind, uh, just outside of the uh, city. Once you ride through the front gates, it's just all grass and fields for as long as you can see. You two have ridden out into this field like you do every night to spar. It's become kind of a tradition between you two. You get to a clearing, you tie up your horses, (laughs) and you pull a long wooden staff out of your back. As he pulls a a wooden shield and a small wooden pole, maybe about two feet long, out of his. You can kind of walk into this trampled down area that you guys have pretty much worn flat at this point. He has no armor on either. He is wearing a wooden shield, though, so his armor class is slightly higher. Okay. So we just want you to try and hit him. Mm-hmm. He's, just, and he's just going to defend. Okay. Right? So, roll initiative. be a 22. Here is... <laughs> I rolled a 19.
1: Here's my very, very first roll. I rolled a 2. You just know two what? four.
0: This is going to be a problem. My luck... Is going to be a problem. That is a problem. In
1: case you didn't know, in previ- many previous games, Rom was unbalancingly lucky, uh, and it was ever the bane of my existence. By yeah. the way, it's worse enough with one player. It's really bad though
0: if it's the DM always rolling. Back in. <laughs> yeah. So you rolled a two. Yes. Plus two is four. Right. And I rolled a twenty-one. Th- so okay. I think he goes first. So yeah. he's going to choose to dodge.
1: It's going to be a, a, a whiff. I care
0: what that does actually. I think it gives him an AC bonus, but I'm trying to remember. So I'm gonna look that up. Because we are a professional. We are band. going to learn. We are gonna to learn together, Michael. Mm-hmm. Take a look. It's in a book. Reading <laughs> Rainbow. A reading Rainbow. A reading Rainbow a Reading Rainbow Where's uh what am I looking for? I'm looking for combat? Uh yeah. Yes, combat. 189 to 198. When you take the dodge action, you focus entirely on avoiding attacks until the start of your next turn, any attack roll made against you has disadvantage. he's doing nothing but holding up his shield and blocking himself, He, he gets advantage against your attacks. You roll two 20-sided dice and pick whichever one's lower. But
1: if, for instance, he had an advantage and I had a disadvantage, like like maybe, I don't know, my foot was chopped chopped off or something. Right.
0: Then, um, then, then I would could...
1: roll two and pick the lowest, and exactly. he rolled two and pick the highest. No.
0: If you have a situation where you have advantage and then someone does something to give you disadvantage, they just cancel out. Oh, okay. And even oh. if you have three disadvantages on you somehow and one advantage, It always just simply cancels out. So, we are in initiative. Yes, we are in initiative, and you lost. So, he has raised his shield. He is defending himself. Would you like to try and hit him? Well, I saw that he
1: drew back. I'm going to attempt to hit him. Okay. Even though I know I'm going to fail.
0: Roll a 20-sided die. All right. Two. Okay, so you come in, and you kind of swing a little wild and clumsily. He meets your staff with his shield, blocks you kind of easily, and shoves you five feet back. And he's like, come on, quack, quack. All right, I regain my balance. All right, with a purified
1: mind, I strike. Excellent. <laughs> so are we still at an initiative, though, and he hasn't done anything in his turn? I mean,
0: initiative was just to start off. Yeah. There's only two of you, yeah, so, so he's always going to block until he doesn't. So we may as so well just go.
1: Okay. Know? All right. Come on, Zion. Come on, quack, quack. Alright, well I'll shoot again, I got a
0: sixteen. There you go. Okay, he pissed you off a bit. Yes. And you struck him. So I want you to roll one die six and minus one because of your tiny little. Well, I don't wanna hurt him. Both, come on! <laughs> yeah, on. makes you have a choice. Oh. Okay. So zero. Okay, you got past his shield. You were quick, but it kind of glanced off his shoulder and just kind of and he kind of spun with it, so it didn't really hurt him. And then again, boom! Just kind of shoves you five feet back. Wham! Wham! Come on, Zion! All
1: right, I swing to strike one more time, and I roll a ten.
0: Plus, not no, plus nothing, minus one. He blocks it. This time, he swings back at you and he's got a 14. Okay, he's got a wooden stick. It's not very big, and it's it's kind of like a light wood. Now that you feel it hits you, like it must be made out of bamboo. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly made not to hurt, right? right? And he does, but still, he does four points of temporary damage. He is not trying to kill you, he's trying to subdue you. Hit points are right here. Seven Seven. minus four, then it's three. So he took off more than half your hit points. I need a constitution save.
1: Okay, so it's a plus three, so does that mean I roll a d20 again? Plus three, exactly.
0: Plus three. Okay. 17 plus three is 20. Okay, black. you see a couple black stars and he spins you around, but you're right back up. You may not be that strong, but you're tough. Well, I'll give it everything I got. And I roll a one. <laughs> okay. all right, so you just... Full rage, and you come right at him, and he just easily side- steps you and drops it low to catch your ankle. I need a dexterity save. Great. Okay, he catches you easily. You go face first into the dirt, and he is on your back, and he's got your head back, and he is hurting you. What are you gonna do? What if someone knocks you down? What if they had you? And he's just yelling right in your ear. You have never seen him do this before. Uh, He's nothing He's a strong strong, Get off me Okay let's go And he just kind of walks away Well I'm hurt But I don't know what to do You're wounded But Well it's only Subdual damage He didn't I
1: wasn't talking about (laughs) On the outside (laughs) (laughs) Sorry
0: (laughs) He cools down he walks over to where you're kind of sitting in the grass and he hands you his water skin. All
1: right, well, I take his water skin. and
0: I'm sorry, Zion. I'm sorry.
1: Poor little trying to wipe some of the mud off my face.
0: I've been told that I'm leaving tomorrow. Tomorrow? I got orders. I'm on the Blackwater. We ship out tomorrow. But you haven't even passed your final yet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've been selected. I can't talk about it. We ship out tomorrow. I can't tell you where I'm going or how long I'm going to be gone. I haven't even told Mom yet. We can't say anything about what's happening. It's just that there's a lot of things changing, and I need you to just really concentrate in your studies, okay? Are brothers going with you? No, it's just me. Look, we should go back. Let's go back to the house. It's almost time for dinner. Don't worry about this. Just focus on your studies, okay? Okay. All right. And he gets the horses mounted back up, and you guys riding back to the house. You guys ride back. It is dinner time as you pull up and hitch your horses in the stables behind your house. You guys have a nice house. You know, it's not a part of the whole, you know, perfection of man mm-hmm. is modesty. Right. Right? You know. Certainly nothing gaudy or... No. Or, or no. Nice. Well built, everything is incredibly Very sturdy. well built. You're not going to have any IKEA furniture. These are all solid, you know, missionary, straight line pieces. But mm-hmm. the table weighs a thousand pounds and has been handed down through generations. The end table weighs 200 pounds and has been right. handed down. You know, it's, it's all that kind of heavy, well built thing. So the house has about three bedrooms you know again not huge but a decent backyard land is the thing here you have a small farm every you know there is a victory garden in every single home and hmm. everyone grows something so there's plants and vines and your mother has herbs all throughout the kitchen and hmm. as you come in she is setting the table for dinner
1: so if it has three bedrooms who do i do i share my bedroom with them? no because
0: the older brothers don't live here um oh, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, it's just you and Fozan.
1: Motheret is the oldest and He is the, the oldest. And Talus is the second
0: oldest. Okay, so Talus is stationed in the city guard. So mm-hmm. he is in the barracks. Okay. And well not the city guard, but he is part of the local military force. He's more he is much more of the, you know, frontline fighter. Mm-hmm. kind of guy, right? Yes. And then your eldest brother is not in the city because he is assigned to... He is in the navy proper in the Kadarian royal shipyard, all the way in the north. So he helps okay. patrol that whole eastern sea and to protect the border of Kadar and to basically reinforce their shipping lanes because all the shipping lanes have to go through this central area. Anything coming through here is going to be incredibly treacherous. It's like whitewater rapids in the middle of the ocean. You can do it, but you better be skilled. So all the traffic has to go through this area. And for the most part, this is all the, this inner sea is completely dominated by Ani. So the, the stronger their navy is, the more they can kind of push back against Ani's chokehold in the center sea and therefore on all traffic. Okay. You have ridden back? And you guys had dinner? All right. Well... It was just you, Foza, and your mom. Your dad is working late. I see. Your father. Pardon me. You are never calling your dad. Your father is working late. Yes.
1: Well, uh, I give a nod to my brother because he's heading to bed or whatever. And um, The
0: whole time in dinner, he has just been completely absorbed in his own thoughts. He is clearly off somewhere else.
1: Well, I am too because I'm worried now because he was like my only ally and sort of friend. You know, like... Uh, recently at least and most people don't get me I don't even think he gets me but at least he was you know, at least he to gives it a me. try yeah <laughs> he tries to rest and tries to recuperate you know nope.
0: but. so you have tumultuous dreams you have dreams of a great storm and being washed out to sea deeper and deeper to sea and every time you reach for land it just feels like you get pushed further and further out to sea and as you look up as you've given up and you're just going to let the sea take you and you're going to slide beneath the the waters it's probably for the best (laughs) the last thing you see as you slide beneath the waters is a giant comet glowing green above you in the sky as you sink to blackness and then, (gasps) as soon as you wake up your mom's got her hand over your mouth and her eyes look as serious and deadly as they've ever looked Say nothing she pulls out your father's secret staff it's glowing She pulls it towards you and presses it against the side of your face. As she's doing so, it glows brighter and brighter. When she touches you with it, it makes a squealing noise, as if you press metal against dry ice, and she pulls it back.
1: Now, have I ever seen the... I've seen these rocks before.
0: Yes, you have. You know exactly what this is. And
1: this has never happened to me before. No, never. (laughs) So
0: she's still holding her hand over your mouth, and she's like, Do you understand this? I do not have to explain this to you. Gather your things... You must come with me, and you must make no noise. Do you understand? I nod. Okay. And she pulls it away. I have a bag. Please come. And she basically has, you know, a bag ready. She pushes a pouch of gold into your hand. You don't even have time to count it. She's tossed clothes. You see that She's wrapped up some bread and some mm-hmm. other foods, you know, Perhaps things a that, would, yeah, that would. wheel of cheese. Yeah, stuff that would make salami. it. Salami. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. thing. But she's already planned this out, so. You don't know when she figured this out, but Must she knows. Must have
1: been before just now, because otherwise she wouldn't have had this whole thing ready.
0: Exactly. And then she takes you by your hand, and she leads you out into the hallway, and she looks both ways, and she quickly walks you down through the house and around back. And says, wait here." I will return. So she's gone for about two minutes, right? Okay. Well, okay. i wait quietly. And then she can- well,
1: maybe, well, if she's gone for two minutes, I'll... I'll look at the money and see how much
0: it looks like there is. There is 48 gold, 17 silver, and one platinum. She had like gone back around the house for some reason. She comes back out and she takes her hand. She said, You must go to the docks and you must look for the Montgomery. Was that? Oh, sorry. We're talking normal way. We can't actually whisper. <laughs> sorry, podcast. <laughs> you must go to the docks and find the Montgomery. It's a small, light ash vessel. It will have two sails, both of ivory with gold trim. Ask for Dobos, he knows you are coming. Go, talk to no one, speak to no one, show your face to no one, and never ever come back to this house.
1: All right, I, uh, I embrace her if she'll let me.
0: Of course she does. No, 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 she's worried, she's not mad at, at you. She's being very, very stern, but her eyes clearly betray how scared she is, all right? She holds you a close and she whispers, I will write, get to Tales Bay. I will write, there will be a letter waiting.
1: I grab my things that she gave me yep. and I rush on out as quietly but quickly as I can.
0: So you now basically have a backpack, yeah. you, have a change of, you, have, you have a change of clothes, mm-hmm. there's money in there, there's food in there, right. Right? there's a couple candles, there's some parchment and some writing, and some writing paper
1: perhaps a quill if you're going to be a
0: part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little vial of ink and a quill. Okay. She could have gathered this within your own house though. Because you guys again, being well prepared. It's very mormon Because during
1: dinner she didn't act like
0: anything- No, she was calm as shit. Right. So either she figured this out last minute. Because
1: she wouldn't have acted so scared around me though if she had been so calm at, lo- at dinner. It doesn't it doesn't
0: it it. add it doesn't add up, so it must have happened sometime after dinner. It's the only explanation you have. How the
1: hell could she even tell Dobos anything?
0: I would like a perception roll as you're rushing down towards the docks.
1: Plus one. So 18.
0: 18. Okay. So you're rushing down to the docks. You got a lot of thoughts in your head. You're confused. You're scared. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do next besides get on this boat. Mm -hmm. And as you're running up, you realize that there are two ships docked somewhat close to each other. And one of them is the Blackwater. It's right, a ship you've seen ship. before. Well, the ship that your brother just got to assigned to. Yeah, right, absolutely. Well, that's what he told me. Yep, absolutely. So as you're running up, you're kind of looking at the Blackwater. It is a massive, five-sailed, solid ironwood vessel. There aren't many of these because ironwood, while incredibly strong, is very, very difficult to work. And the elves don't really share the secret of how they work it because the wood is strong as steel. The tree is strong as steel. They actually use the sap of the tree in some process to weaken the wood temporarily so they can work it like wood. Mm. But as soon as it dries, it then becomes very hardened, again, like steel. So this entire ship, even though it's made out of wood and as light as wood and floats like wood, is as strong as steel.
1: And do they, out of curiosity during this time, do they have like battlements of any sort?
0: At least one catapult on the back deck and two if not three ballistas on the front. Okay. Yeah. So heavily armored. So.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to try to stay clear of that and head towards my boat. Okay.
0: So I want you to roll a stealth roll.
1: All right. Elemental piece stealth. So that's plus zero. So okay. Oh dear. Fifteen.
0: No one's chasing you. Right. So you know you keep your cloak up and your head down, but you kind of move quickly, right? Yeah. I one more perception roll. Uh, 19. Okay, wow. All right, so as you're coming around and you're kind of looking at the, at the, uh, at the uh, Blackwater as you're moving, you see your brother for a second. You see Foza. Oh, God.
1: You okay. can't talk to him.
0: No, you can't talk to him. You also notice that he's got prisoners. There are people with that are in line with their heads shaved, all in the same brown clothing, all chained together, being marched into the ship. You notice that one of them is a friend of yours. You've seen her before. She's probably 50, she's 15 years old. It's a girl that you were in public school with. The larger cities have a semblance of public a school that every single you know person of a certain age has to attend, mm-hmm. right? Unless you in the, unless you. Well, could I would claim, have never
1: gone to public school. It was more of a parochial school. Yes, <laughs> yes, <yeah>, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Because it's right from the religion that my yeah, father's part of. Public, right? right?
0: Well, she was in class with you, and now she's has her head shaved and being is being marched onto a boat as a slave, which makes no sense to you whatsoever because. You haven't heard of any crime she's, she's committed.
1: Well, unfortunately, I'm in no position to to help her. At you all. really aren't. I can barely help myself. Yep. And survive it. it. It's a bit of a moral quandary. I see that. But, oh, sure,
0: but, it's a moral. But what, what the what the fuck are you the gonna hell do? You are gonna I charge? A charge Kadarian Warship. Just beat the shit out of me earlier. Yeah. yeah. And you know, With a stick.
1: With a stick. <laughs> when he wasn't trying to. But he wasn't
0: trying to hurt you. Exactly. You
1: know. And here I'm now glowing, but I. Oh, speaking of which, do I feel any difference? No,
0: nothing at all. You feel absolutely no different whatsoever.
1: No power roiling through my body as absolutely I prepare nothing. to explode into energy. Yeah, I mean, it would,
0: it would really make this all much more sensible. But no, nothing whatsoever. Catlin, Catlin's her name. K A T L Y N.
1: What's the name of my brother's boat again?
0: Your brother's boat is named the Blackwater. Such an evil-sounding name. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think <laughs> it would have evil
1: guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's call it Blackwater. Are we
0: the baddies? You know we have skulls on our helmets. <laughs> right. I wonder if Blackwater would have sounded as monstrously evil if it hadn't been for the Blackwater Corporation. Right, right. I think that taints it in our minds.
1: Well, maybe, but Blackwater. Blackwater sounds pretty bad.
0: It does sound bad.
1: Alright. So, poor Catlin, but Poor Catlin. I gotta make my way to and you know, what was the name of Dobo? Was it Dobos.
0: Dobos. Dobos. What's the name of his ship? His ship is or named do the. I know? No, you do. She would definitely say. Oh, yeah, his did. ship is named the Montgomery. And you walk down the deck and they're busy loading. Uh, it's a little late at night, but they're still busy loading. They're putting rum and sugar and just a couple barrels of stuff onto the boat, but it looks like they're about wrapping up.
1: Okay, well, I make my way to the first person I see.
0: All right. What you want?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm looking for Dobos.
0: Who asks? a couple other people see that you've kind of hesitated mm-hmm. and like one guy kind of puts in a barrel and one guy kind of puts something down they all kind of stand next to the guy and he's like what you want with dubos
1: uh i just wanted to have a conversation he uh he and i were supposed to meet
0: watch him and the one guy kind of walks off and then he comes back and he's like kind of wake you know he just kind of waves you up and he walks you up onto the deck and on the deck is a big jolly muscly barrel-chested guy with kind of a flop of silver hair that's going bald on top and a big huge scar under his chin that he pretty much keeps, you know, covered with a very unkempt beard.
1: I can't believe my mother knows these people. I don't say that out loud, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> right.
0: And you are walked up uh, to him and he is kind of like, oh, come with me, child," And he walks you into the back real, real fast. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And he, no, he like walks you into this back room. And it's a very small room. Like he kind of goes down a flight of stairs into the ship and there's a closet off to the side. He unlocks it and opens it and there's a small cot and a little wash stand and a single porthole, maybe four inches across. And that's it. And he says, look, there's bread and meat in that stall box Enough for a week. Water as well. Don't leave this room. Don't make any noise. I'll get you out of here. Okay.
1: Okay. I think it best not to ask him any questions because I don't want him to know any more about me than I know about him. Sure, fair enough. Um, And um, so I nod and I close the door behind me.
0: You hear him lock it behind him.
1: Okay. Well, I set out my stuff that my mother gave me and...
0: uh, There's There's a note. My dearest Zion, I am so sorry that I cannot explain what just happened to you. I cannot explain it to myself. You will be safe in Dobosa's hands. He is an old friend I knew before your father. Listen to what he says. I will write again when you reach Tales Bay.
1: All right, well, I have little choice and less friends. So, the door locked behind me. I just, uh, you know, survey my stuff and settle in to ride, I suppose. Maybe looking out the window whenever to see if I see
0: anything and It is a 10-day journey from where you are to Ani. You know, there's no real big deals. They don't port again. So it's just all sea voyage all the way to Ani.
1: I I focus my mind and my body on healing. When I feel up to it, I do lots of push-ups and set-ups and whatnot, trying to keep up the regimen as best as I can. I don't want to like, you know...
0: Because you are kind of in a prison, so that is rather, you know, uh, fitting.
1: I think about what I'd like to tell my brothers, but I know that I'll never see them again. And if I ever did, uh, it would be terrible. It's better maybe if they think that I've died. How is my mother going to keep all of this together?
0: Because she can't say that she helped you because they'll want to know why.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure nobody saw me, so I think I got away with it. Yep. Um, but now what? I think on the fifth day.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> boy. Got some eggs for you this week. Oh. Hen finally laid them.
1: Thanks. Uh, I, just before you go, I, I have a question. Sure thing, son. How. How did you know to find me, my mother? How, did, how do you even know my mother?
0: Your mother and I know each other for a long time past, and it is her business to tell you her things, but I will tell you that I have known your mother for quite some time, the time before your father.
1: She doesn't talk much about that.
0: Well, most mothers wouldn't.
1: So, how did you know to help me? And what are you owed? Is there something
0: I can pay (laughs) I could never pay back your mother for what I owe her. Any favor she asked will always be returned. Any son of hers is a friend of mine. But your mother contacted me because she used magic, if you must know. What? Your mother has a device. They were popular back in the time before the breaking. Very, very rare now. But you can send a message. It's as if you hear a whisper behind your ear. That's the is first there.
1: heresy. My mother could never commit such a thing, even to...
0: Your mother was a very different person before she met your father. She lived a different life. Do you
1: know who father life. is?
0: I know of your father, which is why I want you to stay in this room and make no noise, because his ships are larger and faster than mine.
1: Well, thank you, I guess.
0: There's no need to thank me, child. I owe your mother, and therefore I owe you.
1: Well, just one last thing: where's this ship going?
0: The ship is going to Ani. We will stay there for a few hours, where we would be picking up a passenger. Stay here, boy. I'll get you safe the details to Tales Bay. Nothing will harm you here.
1: Apparently, my mother's more complex than I thought.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely string her ass up if they ever find out.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Not
0: only did she use magic, but she used use it to get her to fire, magic kid yeah. out of the city. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you sit in confused contemplation for the next day, and towards the evening, you guys pull up upon the city of Ani. It is a grand, giant island city, 25 miles wide, all of it a city, with huge towering walls, larger and thicker than anything you could possibly imagine. I snuff out my candle and look out the window. Okay, so <laughs> you see its glowing walls, and you've heard about its glowing walls before, though you have never seen them mm-hmm. up up close, and they are despite what you've been how you've been trained to hate them impressive perfect unblemished unyielding and glowing with just the perfect amount of moonlight to give a soft warmth to the entire city it feels bathed in silvery warm light and beckoning and welcoming typical audience decadence yeah you can you know this is magic you can Mm. feel it because you feel like you love this city. There's a part of you deep buried down that you don't understand that wants to defend those city walls even though you wanted to tear them down your entire life. You glide into the city of Ani. You drop anchor outside the main walls. Uh, There is a huge series of towers towards the southern end of the walls and underneath these towers it's basically this large open archway, and ships just sail clear underneath them to get into the main bay. You guys drop anchor about 100 yards outside of that and just sit there under the moonlight. About an hour later, a small rowboat. You, can no- you notice it just in the glint of the wall light, I would say, before it comes up. There's three people on it, a large young man, a smaller girl, and what looks to be an elf. A Torch goes off in the boat, and you hear another torch go off on the deck above you. The boat rows up, the gentleman helps, the high elf onto the boat, some words are exchanged, and then the gentleman and the other woman row back towards Uh, the parlor. I'm going to
1: crook my ear and see if I heard anything.
0: Okay, I want a perception. No, I didn't hear anything. Okay, no, I rolled a... I, I wrote didn't a, roll a one, but yeah. I
1: rolled like a four,
0: so. All right, yeah, so, no, I mean, you know, it's all jumbled, you're, you know, it's, it's. you can't open the window, you know, so you just can't quite hear, plus there's the harbor and the ocean, blah, 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 no, right, you right. just, you, you hear somebody talking, talking. Mm-hmm, and then as soon as that rowboat starts to pull away, you hear the anchor start being pulled up, mm-hmm. so they stop for this and nothing else.
1: So, who actually got onto the boat, all three of them? No,
0: just the elf, the other two rode away.
1: Okay, and... How is the elf
0: dressed? The elf is dressed in nice clothing. Like everything is really well tailored, right? Everything is perfectly done. Everything matches well. Her hair is perfect. She doesn't have a bunch of shit all over her. She's clearly a highfalutin character. She's obviously, you know, not a peasant. Well, I guess another long trip then. (laughs) Stay in your hole. All right. Stay
1: in my hole. I don't make any trouble.
0: No. Okay, so again, the, the, the C's. Fortunately, have been calm. Now you are used to seas, you've been on boats before, so it's not like you need your sea legs, but this has been a wonderfully calm, this has been a very calm journey. Six days later, as the ship has sailed once again across the King Sea, you are pulling up into the city of Port Bliss. It is about 9 p.m. as you pull up, and I need a perception roll. As you're pulling into the city of Port Bliss, you are looking out your tiny little porthole, and You have been on this boat now for just about two solid weeks. You are pretty much ready to get off it. Oh, yeah. Front port that faces the ocean. You can see all the docks lined up. Would you say it's
1: blissful? I would say it's
0: rather blissful. (laughs) As you're pulling up, you see just for a second there's a flash of light and it draws your eye. And you see about 100 feet off the shore, in the middle of the air, you see a flash of light that draws your eye. And within that light out spills a human, a halfling, and a dwarf. Who will tumble into the ocean about 200 yards off the front of your ship? And we'll stop right there. Last time in our. I introduced Kay, our first and only female player, by having her attend a grand ball. Her player is a high elf noble named Franoway Tinuith, who was fleeing the capital city of Ani to escape an arranged marriage. The very first question she was asked upon playing Dungeons and Dragons for the very first time was, what are you wearing? I loved it for the story I was telling, but I also suspected she might address how stereotypical the entire situation was. Six minutes out of an hour-long D&D podcast were spent talking about how women sometimes feel pigeonholed by traditional fantasy roles. Naturally, the trolls came out of the woodwork. Kay stated the feelings about how she was introduced and then went on to describe her dress in loving detail. It was exactly what I would expect expected any of my players to do if I introduced a topic or situation that made them somewhat uncomfortable. My goal is to tell a good story that I hope you will all continue to enjoy, but my primary responsibility is to the people sitting around my table, not my audience, and certainly not to a gang of oh-so-delicate troglodytes that feel six minutes of conversation about the stereotyping of over half the planet is too much to bear. God's Fall is going to be about our live-play Dungeon & Dragons games in the custom fantasy world I am building. The point of the podcast is to play a game and have fun. That said, the people around my table are my friends. I have chosen them because they are smart, funny, and opinionated. If they occasionally have something to say that I think is important, I am going to put that into the podcast. If that offends you to the point where you can no longer listen to the show... Well... Bye.